Yeah, and welcome to our semi-annual Fire in the Mountain podcast. <laughs> it seems like lately, but hopefully we'll get back on Brilliant. track. It's it's been a while. Um, Andy Waddell, uh, have you um, have you has anything happened in these past four or five months? Nope, just been training for a triathlon, and like everything else in my life, we're going to give them a semi. A semi, Justin Edgel. How how have you been doing this uh, this past little bit since February? I guess. Yeah, it's been at least that long. Yeah, it's about time we get back. Shit happens, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, black hole sun has gone down, and uh, it's yeah. time to do a show finally. Black hole sun is no more. Uh, won't you come and wash away the? <laughs> it did wash away the pain, I guess. Maybe. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> something. Wow. So we are here tonight for a four-part uh, extravaganza. Because Smoky Mountain Wrestling episode number 45 that we will start out with is a recap of the Thanksgiving Thunder Tour, which uh, we thought it was going to be Thanksgiving before we got back around to it. It had been very appropriate. But we are back in uh, episode 45. So it's, it's, this is a recap episode. We'll jump right into it. This is from Freedom Hall in Johnson City. Uh, match number one was the Battle Royal. And we... This is a clipped episode, so obviously we're not going to see the highlights of the entire card or entire matches, but uh, we'll get a pretty good idea of what happened on Thanksgiving Thunder, which I couldn't find a commercial tape for either, so this is the best we've got. Dirty White Boy and the Night Stalker and Tracy Smothers were the last three. Uh, Those two beat down Tracy Smothers. Dirty White Boy hit a big DDT. Night Stalker asked Dutch why they got left with such garbage like Smothers. Uh, Smothers goes over the top rope, skins the cat. He loads up on them. They immediately get the upper hand back. Then it ends with Smothers hitting a double lariat, knocking them both out. He gets the win. A small kid wins a VCR, and uh, Smothers hoist him up. It's, yeah, so it was a big deal back in the day, obviously. Oh, yeah, a VCR. That's probably worth, more, more, probably worth 300 bucks at least. Oh yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, so we get so a kid wins a VCR. Tracy Smothers is happy. We get a Les Thatcher interview with Smothers in the ring. He thanks everybody for the opportunity, and he gets the cheap Foley pop. I've, I think Foley stole this from Tracy Smothers. Honestly, after watching enough Smoky Mountain, Smothers was really a uh, he really went for that cheap pop every time he was out there. And uh, 1992 is the year the South shall rise again to. <laughs> Another big pop in Johnson City, Tennessee. <laughs> so, hey, you the year Viagra came out, so. <laughs> we'll go ahead. Good trivia. Uh, I mean, not too much they show here. Any thoughts on the Battle Royal, Andy? Like you said, he picked that kid up so fast, I thought he was going to do a back body and turn heel right <laughs> then and there, but, you know. It would have been uh, appropriate. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on the Battle Royal? No, not really. It, it was just... It's kind of hard in this episode because they just give us bits and pieces, so we're trying to figure out, you know, if it was a decent match from a two-minute clip. But I, I, I do, I will say, uh, with Smothers' push that he's getting, the right guy won the Battle Royal. He, he, he's, they're trying to load him up. So, good on them. Match number two, Danny Davis, oh God, and Ronnie Garvin... Oh. against Paul Orndorff. And uh, a Garvin hits Orndorff with some chops that would hurt an oak tree. Um, 
pretty heavy stiff chops. Orndorff tries to get a pile driver on Garvin. Davis comes in. He shoulders tackles Orndorff, and Garvin gets a pin. So then Orndorff in retaliation power pile drives Davis with another jumping pile. I swear to God, <laughs> if that was that would be a finishing move today. The WWE's banned pile drivers. If somebody come out with a jumping pile driver like that after so many years of that not being on TV, that would get a hellacious pop. Oh, yeah, good Lord. Garvin. The fans go crazy. Yeah, Garvin got stuck again. Yeah, mm. <laughs> he's yeah. Been, been stuck several times lately by Mr. Orndorff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he tries right. to, uh, he, Orndorff tries to pile drive Garvin, but, uh, Jim Cornette's favorite wrestler, Tim Horner makes the save. No, God. And uh, I just, I have a problem with this match though. Yeah. You're trying to get Garvin over as a baby face and yet you put him in a handicap match with two baby faces versus one heel. And then you have another baby face come in and make the save. I, I, it I is. Don't know, it's just a little bit baffling. It is a little strange because usually in a two-on-one match, uh, I mean, you wouldn't think Ronnie Garvin would need the assistance of uh, yeah, Mister. You know, if it was, if it was like Danny Davis and say somebody like Rey Mysterio or Hector Guerrero, it it makes a little more sense, but. You got Garvin, who's just as big and bad as Orndorff, and then you got little midget doing something. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I don't agree with that booking exactly either. I'm. Go ahead. Well, maybe this is start 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 of uh, Jim Cornette starting to lose his mind because I I, I'm pretty sure something's coming up quick, uh, not quickly, but soon. That's maybe the worst idea in wrestling history. So. Let's leave it at that. Leave it at that. Okay, so um, yeah, the only thing I'll say to add to this before we move on is maybe, you know, Danny Davis did. He had had the neck injury. If they would have left his neck in a brace and he would have been an invalid laying on the ring apron as a second to Ronnie Garvin, then it would make sense. It's like, what can he do? He's 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 crippled. But uh, yeah. they had established Davis's neck was. Yeah. Pretty much better. So it was a true two on one. I don't know. Anyway, let's move yeah. on. Well, I mean, Or Orndorf didn't even like do the brass knucks or you know something underhanded to bring Davis into it. You know, I'm weird. Yeah, match number three was the Smoky Mountain title match against let's see, Dirty White Boy against Tim Horner. Uh, Tim the Fax Man Horner. <laughs> Dirty White Boy loads up on Horner in the corner, and he's light. He, yeah, Tim Horner lightnings up. I get it's like when Hulk Hogan hulks up. Tim Horner, uh, the he gets, except the dollar store version. Yeah, it's a Man, he's, he's jumping. He's jumping around like a, a friggin' idiot. I mean, what what the hell was that? I, I don't like know. he's almost like he's trying too hard at this point. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he he gets. I don't even know what else to say about. About that. Yeah, he gets knocked out, and uh, Orndorff beats him up. Orndorff hands some brass knuckles to the dirty white boy, and he clocks Horner for the pin. So Tracy Smothers comes out. He pleads the case. He leaves the ring, and now we have Garvin and Horner in the ring facing off against Orndorff and the dirty white boy. They bail out, so now we see what's coming with Christmas chaos. We're going to have Garvin and Horner and uh, Orndorff and the white boy. 
So we go to the dressing room, and Orndorff, he is, God, when he goes nuts, he goes nuts. <laughs> I mean, he, he can come unglued very easily. Um, Dirty White Boy says Horner won't ever be the champion and tells Paul the beer's on him. So then we get an interview with Garvin and Horner. Horner says that he's not been the same with all this nonsense. And Garvin tells him that he has his back. So, <laughs> yeah, and then I, I really thought Horner is going to give uh, Garvin a kiss at the end. I mean, I, I, good Lord. They cut out but, before that happened. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Les Thatcher, special report. Um, Smoky Mountain titles were the center of activity. It shows the highlights of the hospital elimination match in Hazard, Kentucky. The Rock and Roll Express win the belts. Fan, it was fan cam footage. Gibson nailed Pritchard with a racket. Pritchard busted open, and that's it. The fans at ringside were literally jumping up and down. Yes. I mean, it there was, was a man with no legs jumped. Yeah, <laughs> it was a miracle. <laughs> it was a Thanksgiving miracle. Um, <laughs> the Justin, you noticed uh, something was wrong with the ring work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't notice this. What happened? It, well, they were pick. They were pissing the ring workers off. You know, the guy. You know, I guess if you want to call them security. I mean, back then, I mean, there was like five people in the stands. Yeah, but <laughs> they were knocking over the shitty rope barricade and everything. I yeah, mean, they were that excited. I was like, "Damn, this is." I don't know. I guess little. I know. Looking back now, I mean, this is not real people. Yeah, but I guess they thought it was. These maniacs thought it was. So but it's it funny. It's then. funny though. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was then. It was real back then. They just yeah, made the glass for you. Yeah, and I mean that barricade. Yeah, it, well, I get it. I don't even think it's not. A, it's just a. <laughs> it's a separation rope. They might as well just use the piece of chalk oh. and drew it right there. Do not oh, jump yeah. over this line. Oh yeah, it was useless. Uh, but it was. It was still funny as hell to see. <laughs> you know, watch. I missed that. So the next night is Falls Count Anywhere. So. Yeah, I mean, how does a Falls Count Anywhere match have a legal man? I mean, shouldn't they all be legal in the Falls Count Anywhere? Uh, I, I, you uh, think? I mean, a, you can pin the guy on top of an eighteen wheeler going down Kingston Pike, but by God, you're going to have to tag him in before he's out there. Was Mark Curtis <laughs> doing it? Was Mark Curtis doing this? I don't remember. Well. So Cor- okay. Cornette, uh, he gets the ether bunny, and he knocks out Morton with the ether. Pritchard with the cover. The bodies win the belts back. Uh, it was wild, and uh, wish it was shot with a better camera. That was a, you could tell that was a fun match. Uh, it's hard to tell when they just show clips, but that one, that one looked like that would have been a fun match to watch. So then, night three, we're in Welch, West Virginia. I have no idea where that's at. It's a Texas death match. It went 10 falls, and the Rock and Roll Express get the titles back. And then we're at Freedom Hall for the street fight, Anything Goes. It was a wild match. A plastic bag gets put over Gibson's head. <laughs> I got you. Uh, you don't see that. Yeah, that's I wish I was wishing he dropped dead right there. <laughs> well, well, his eyes did cross from lack of oxygen. Uh, couldn't have. so Morton. That's his normal normal look. <laughs> Morton gets a tilt chair and he wipes them both. He wipes the bodies out. Gibson, yeah, he, he works better with the bag over his head. <laughs> Pritchard and Morton are both they they both cut a gusher. 
Uh, Pritchard loads up his boot, gets the three for the win. That was fun also. You could tell that match was insane. And then we go to Knoxville for the four faces of fear barbed wire cage. Gibson gets the full face of white powder, courtesy of uh, Gino Hernandez or Jake Roberts, perhaps. All right. Uh, Terry, what was the name? Terry Gordy. <laughs> Freebird Mountain. T Bird. Yeah, Freebird. Yeah. The bombs were falling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cornette tosses ether, but it backfires. Lane gets the face full of ether. Morton rolls him up for the pin. And the interview with the Rock and Roll Express, and I, I can't deal with it. Andy, uh, yes. are they ever going to stop yes. saying that line? They are here to stay. They are not here to pee freaking haul. Sorry. I don't, know, I don't know which one's more repetitive, that or Tracy Smothers saying he's a... I don't know. He just said something about the South at every single interview at the end. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's worse. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. But since uh, since we were on the air last, the Rock and Roll Express are now members of the WWE Hall of Fame. So I guess we should give them a modicum <laughs> of respect. <laughs> what do you mean, give them a modicum of respect? You two are the ones that are neglecting the greatness that was the all time greatest tag team in the United States, possibly the world. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just think by <laughs> 1992, it had just wore a little thin. But, hey, in East Tennessee, they could still get away with it, so whatever. Um, <laughs> desk with Cottle and Armstrong. And we go to the announcement of Christmas Chaos. And we have a down and dirty with – wait, did I – did we miss something or was that it? No, that was it. It's because this is the, uh, yeah, because this was a weird episode where then they done some other stuff here at the end. Uh, down and dirty with Dutch and the Heavenly Bodies. Uh, there's going to be a three-on-two handicap match at Christmas Chaos. Cornette says that he's afraid that he might hurt him and he don't want it, so he don't want to have to get in the ring. They bring in the stud stable, and um, Cornette says there's no point in having the match. Robert Fuller says they may as well have the match. What about content? What what it was is there was like a, a number one contenders match or something, and uh, they didn't want the stud stable to fight because the bodies wanted the title belts back. So Fuller he says that he didn't want to make the commissioner mad. <laughs> he's trying to play it up like it's not a big deal. Stan Lane then says that he's admired the studs for a long time, even though they've never had national exposure. So he takes a little dig. Then Jimmy Golden says that they're used to all the wrestlers coming to them to get the title, coming through them to get a title shot. Yes, Robert Fuller was probably on Free Bird Mountain. Yeah, big time. Uh, Tom Pritchard says that at least it's going to be a clean match. And uh, Jim says that he wishes Dutch could be there. And Dutch says, you know, I'm an honorary member of the stud stable, and he's going to be there. And Cornette's face, you know, he's got, he, he looks he looks distraught, and uh, that it's, <laughs> yeah, just, he's about he was he was about to hit hit him with that uh, creepy ass Santa racket. Oh yeah, it, <laughs> he, looked, he looked pissed. He was mad. So the the thing, I mean, 
the stud stable and the bodies are both heel teams. And this was just them taking a little shot. I mean, they were still playing really nice with each other. But Stan Lane kind of takes a little dig because they've not had national exposure. And the, the it's just the subtle stuff. This is one of the things I really liked in Smoky Mountain. I mean, this may be coming up on one of my favorite angles. could be my favorite angle ever in Smoky Mountain is just this buildup to this deal that they're about to have. I loved this opening segment because it just opened the door enough for people to think, hmm, what's going to happen here? Andy, what do you think about this? Well, this is what's missing with a lot of the wrestling now is the fact that there's no buildup. They just throw two guys together. You're supposed to assume that you're interested in this match, and there's the little nuances aren't in it. They, you know, with this one, they started off with, well, we don't have to fight. And one side's like, well, yeah, we need to to figure out who's number one. The other side's, well, yeah, your guys are good, but, you know, you ain't had national exposure. And then the other side's, well, you ain't fighting nobody. And, you know, it builds up to a good fight, and you're just waiting to see who pulls the knife out and stabs the other one in the back. Yeah, because you know that they're both low down dirt. And that's one of the things that's weird. It's like the fans hate both of them, so who do you hate less? That's one of the things that comes up. It's like, well, I really, huh, I hope they kill each other. That's that's one of the – Justin, <laughs> it's just starting this angle. This is one of my favorites. What are you thinking of this right now? Yeah. I mean, it's something different compared to what we've had, you know, in the past, you know, in the past when it's only been, you know, the bodies and rock and roll express or the bodies versus party patrol. Yeah. Whoever, <laughs> somebody, somebody that all the fans like, I, you know, the, the, the faces and stuff like that. And and I, I think this is finally something different, Oh yeah. especially in the tag team division where it's, I think it's kind of stale as of right now. So, yeah. uh, you know, so, so I like where they're going. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah. So then we go to highlights of, um, Kevin Sullivan and the Mongolian stomper. And it's, it's the Thanksgiving tour, but stomper comes out to the Halloween theme, which is just bloody awesome. And they, they don't, I mean, there is no, there's no collar and elbow tie up to begin this match. They just, they're up the aisle fighting. They get into the upper deck. They're in the lower deck. The fans are, the fans actually turn on this a little bit because they can't see what's going on. You can actually hear them boo, which is not good. Uh, they go back down the aisle, though. They come back out. Sullivan has cut a gusher at this point. They get back in the ring. Stomper gets the uh, shit at a maki locked in on Sullivan, which is the million-dollar dream. Night Stalker hits the ring for a DQ. It's a two-on-one beatdown. Bobby Fulton and Robbie Eagle come in to, to help. They get dumped. Um, Dixie Dynamite gets tossed out. Tracy Smothers comes in, and they bail out. And then Stomper does it, and only the way he can, starts beating up the help <laughs> because he's the <laughs> Mongolian Stomper. <laughs> it's just, that's just, you, you do not expect anything less from the Stomper. That's awesome. Backstage, Bob Armstrong, he says, the Stomper is crazy. He comes out of the dressing room chasing Dixie Dynamite and the others. He makes his way to Sullivan's dressing room and starts beating on him. <laughs> yes, I'm very surprised Sullivan had clothes on. Um, this is this is wild. I mean, this this was crazy. And uh, so, the, Justin, you you the, th- yeah, I mean this this dude looks legit freaking crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know he's trying. 
trying to put on some kind of act, but between him and Sullivan, they almost have to be both of them legitimately crazy to act like this. Yeah. How can you act that? I mean, you know, you think about these actors, you know, whatever, they, actors, musicians, whatever. I, Talented people. I don't know if you want to go. I want to go that far, <laughs> but you know, they they go nuts. No, I mean, and it, it's almost like they're acting out, acting out their real life. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, they they uh, pulled off pretty well. That's yeah. for sure. A- Andy. I mean, it, and it, I mean, you know, I you know, is he built from Haddonfield, Illinois? <laughs> you know, no, no, not quite. Uh, <laughs> he's, he is the Mongolian stomper. <laughs> I know, I know, but he's that nuts. Yeah. Uh, so he might, he might pull out a knife. Who knows? I mean, we do have Killer Kyle in his coat hanger, so a knife is not out of the question. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, we, oh. we get a, we get a main event announced for Christmas chaos now, and it will be the Mongolian stomper and partner versus Sullivan and the night stalker Horner and Garvin versus the dirty white boy and Orndorff and rock and roll versus bodies three on two. That's a, that's a pretty good triple main event, uh, for Christmas chaos. It's something different. They, I mean, we do still have the rock and roll and the bodies, but they've kind of mixed mm-hmm. things up a little bit. So. We will actually go into episode 46. We'll do 46 and then take our break uh, and then come back for the last two. So we are now in Clarefield at Clarefield oh. School in Clarefield, Tennessee. Andy, where I have yeah, no where, idea Clarefield, Tennessee. Where the hell is that? Uh, for once, you stumped me. I actually had to go and look this. I actually had to ask my daddy where this was because I could not find it in Google or nothing until you have to go to Claiborne County. And this wacky place, state, I'm telling you. Yeah. This place oh. to this day has 1,000 students in a K through 12 school. It, they, they don't even have a mascot. They have 11 teachers. Uh, is there any truth to the rumor that it's not K through 12, that they actually call it KKK through 12? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's possible. Oh, it, it is possible. The popu- the white population is like ninety nine point nine eight. Okay. Well So I you know, I don't know if they just keep it segregated or you know I thought you were gonna say know. keep it real to really <laughs> Oh Lord. They don't yeah, know what I that know. means. <laughs> well, you know it's bad when they show the school and all you see is woods and a rock freaking road in 2017 going up to the school oh wow okay so Dutch I, guess, Man- I guess they really thought that south really didn't die yet huh uh, some people still have it dutch mantel's uh, signs <laughs> <laughs> uh his his first sign is elvis is dead and debatable. His, yeah that's debatable <laughs> never know sign number two is and i don't feel so good myself <laughs> I don't know. It's probably because he was in Clarefield, Tennessee, and he's a little bit on the darker side himself. Maybe he was afraid that people would mistake him for something other than Caucasian. That right there looks like one of them Mexican fellers. Eat him. <laughs> okay. So match number one is the dark secret, Brian Armstrong, against his brother, Dixie Dynamite. And the dark secret looks like he stole Bad Street's tights. And that's possibly true since Bad Street was Brad Armstrong in WCW. Uh, much like Bob didn't change his shirt, all his <laughs> kids passed around their tots. 
so it was a pretty quick match. D and D wins with Andy. The Confederate Geek. And this time it wasn't Google screwing it up. Uh, if you hear any weird audio glitches, um, we've had we've had a little bit of audio <laughs> problems tonight that we're sorting out. Yeah. And if Andy sounds like he's having a stroke, <laughs> there is a possibility that's happening. But there's also a possibility Google's <laughs> crapping out. Well, I took my fish oil a minute ago, so I should be good. All right, we're good for the next hour. Uh, desk with the Rock and Roll Express. Oh God, he's. <laughs> I can't touch it. I can't take it. <laughs> Come back, Ricky, because they are here to stay, not here to play. Jesus Christ, could they come up with anything else to say? I don't care what it is. I rate midgets. I don't care what it is. I mean, you just (laughs) anything. Just quit saying that. School of Morton. School of Morton. He hadn't thought of that yet at that point in 1992. He was still trying to to evade child wealth. uh, uh, (laughs) Having to pay. uh, he's got a hundred kids running around. He was trying to avoid having to pay for them. Oh, okay. In got you. He was <laughs> he was evading DCS. That's what it is. Uh, the, desk. Yeah. Okay. So the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, it's not even a cool catchphrase. It's not. That's. I mean, the thing. He, 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 I mean, you know, like he, nobody even says it with him. No. After after a million <laughs> fucking times, Bob Poddle's even ready to deck him at this point. He's like, "Shut up!" I'm going to say something because that guy says some weird shit too. So uh, okay, so now we go to the desk uh, with Tracy Smothers, looking for the cheap pops again. He loves the hills and the countryside. Andy, he'll be right at home there. Apparently, yeah, he would. He definitely be at home there. Um, what he loves the most is being able to let out a big yeehaw. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, right before he sticks a sheep. No, Scott. No, Andy. You know, bad what that means? joke, Ricky. Yeah, there might be one or two people that would know us that would know the joke. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, I don't. I'm so- no, and I'm not going to get into any legal trouble. So that's where I'm leaving that. Andy. <laughs> yes. Andy's going to understand that reference. Um. Smother says there's a new sheriff in town. Armstrong, Barney. Yeah, Barney. Armstrong comes to the desk, and Bob says that Sullivan will be able to wrestle on TV. He reads some mumbo-jumbo excuse from the lawyers, 15 pages, on why Sullivan is allowed back on TV. Uh, yeah, could, shut up. Can they Jeez. condense? Uh, 15 pages. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... That's some serious shit. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Now we're out in the field with Brian Lee. Speaking of shit, <laughs> he's wearing his Nike shirt and zebra, zebra pants today. And yeah, whatever the hell that was. He's going to be at the Christmas chaos to take care of Kevin Sullivan. And he says that he's going to rip Sullivan's head off of his body. That'd be interesting. I mean, that would be <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even... I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore about him. Um, go to heel. Yeah, for God's sake. Don't, don't worry. Um, I know. Match number two is Jeff Daniels being sacrificed to Kevin Sullivan, and I wish that that was the uh, the Jeff Daniels we know, but it's not <laughs> because that would that would be funny, really entertaining. Sullivan comes in, and uh, Daniels has stolen Brian Lee's pants. 
Sullivan proceeds. Why, the, why would he even want those fucking pants? I don't know. It was, it was the early 90s. A more innocent time. Sullivan just beats the crap out of Daniels. Uh, he grabs a table, and uh, Night Stalker runs Daniels into the table. The referee apparently doesn't care. Sullivan grabs a tripod, not from Robert Fuller, and smashes Daniels with it. <laughs> oh, could you imagine Sullivan grabbing Fuller and just smashing Daniels with Robert Fuller? I'll rip it off and beat you with it. That's like an instant classic. Sullivan with the chair. He knocks out Daniels. Bob says somebody needs to stop it, and Dutch tells him not to go to the ring. Bob agrees. Dutch (laughs) says that they may strip you naked and beat the soup out of you, Bob. I love it. Uh, I don't strip. I mean, there's always weird innuendos in these episodes. I I don't know why they had to strip him naked. it never stops. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, a lot of times that's what makes this this stuff entertaining is, you know, the commentary. I've said it a million times. Mike, I mean, <laughs> I almost hate to beat a dead horse if you want me to say that. But the, it, Bob, Bob Cottle and Dutch, I'm telling you, the, so they have to be. They're great. They, they, they are awesome. And then Bob begs Dutch Mantel to stop stop this massacre, and Dutch said, "Nope, not going in there." <laughs> exactly. It's almost, you know, it's just, they're they're awesome. So, they're the best. They're the best, really. Not stalker now into the ring, and that's what gets the bell. It wasn't the stabbing, the beating, the tripod shot, the not stalker mm. whipping this guy on the outside. Him casually getting into the ring causes the disqualification. Uh, I mean, they stabbed him, they beat him with the tripod, they smashed him with a table, chair, and anally raped him. All that was okay. But then, when he steps into the ring, he's like, that's too much. You're not allowed in the ring. You can do whatever you want to to the guy outside, but inside the ring is sacred. Uh, he crossed the line. He crossed He crossed the ring rope. Uh, desk with Bob and Sullivan. And Bob says it's a miscarriage of justice for Sullivan to be allowed in the ring. Sullivan says even Charlie Manson had a lawyer. He says you can't keep me from doing Cincinnati what I want. Cincinnati native. Do. Yeah. Oh, should I admit? Should I admit? Should I admit that? I mean, I would. Oh lord. Uh, Sullivan says that he didn't mean to take the spike and keep stabbing Brian Lee. The doctor says not to face Brian Lee, and he says that he's heard spleen can rupture. Spleens can rupture if you stomp on them, and you can't live without a spleen. Sullivan says that he has a great lawyer and he can do anything he wants with the right lawyer. Mm-hmm. And Bob is disgusted. But Sullivan love his character here. He he's I mean, it's a wink nod, like I know that I'm crazy and I know that I can act crazy, and my lawyer says I can do whatever I want to, and Mr. Four Eyes, you're not gonna do anything about it. So Bob Armstrong's not happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, even, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he, he even went to as far as to say uh, he even take a child to a butcher shop. Yeah. I mean, that might be that might be going a little too far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you can you even imagine that happening uh, today? No, no. Oh, it probably it probably make the make the news. Oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah, down anyway. and dirty with Dutch. He is with Ron Wright, Dirty White Boy, and Paul Orndorff. 
Ron Wright says, Christmas chaos, my foot. He wants the kids to quit singing those carols. Hom humbug. He said he said it wrong. He said, hey, ha- <laughs> hamburg. Made it, made it I'll say it. I'll say it. He said, ha bum hug. That's why he's crippled. Somebody give hug. him a bum hug. <laughs> and I'm with him, too. Uh, I don't like Christmas either. So, the yeah. dirty, dirty white boy says that Horner has been after it for a long time, but Horner won't make it to the Christmas chaos. Orndorff says he's an international star, which he is. <laughs> Horner isn't man enough to take the belt, and at chaos they're going to show them what a true legend team is all about. And we're at the desk with Horner, and the audio goes crazy for some reason. You could almost not even purpose. watch it. I you mean, think that's what it was? Yeah, I mean, it's like, just forget him. Match three, the bodies against uh, possible. <laughs> Reno Riggins and some jobber. Uh, the stud stablers are at the desk. Uh, Robert Fuller's awesome on the, he's awesome whatever he's doing. <laughs> on the mic, he's just, he's hilarious. He says he don't know what they have to do. If it's tearing up something, they'll tear it up. He's, he breaks out the little feller comment towards Cottle, and uh, the bodies win this in a squash. And, yeah, the whole thing, this whole deal is made by Robert Fuller on commentary. Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, I know he was like Colonel Parker, you know, later on in his career, and I didn't know that until I watched all this stuff with you guys. But uh, he, he, he's, his, he's, all, he's way better on the mic and all that stuff than he is a wrestler. I mean, he's a good rest, you know, good worker and all that kind of stuff. But man, he, he, he could, he could definitely pull it off on commentary. Oh yeah. I kind of wish like, you know, back, you know, looking forward, if he would have maybe done something in WWE and as far as commentary, that, yeah, he be enterta- entertaining, no doubt about it. Better than them. Yeah, better than what they got. Um, yes, no, not even close. <laughs> desk with the bodies. Cornette makes fun of Clarefield, Tennessee, of course. Of course. He is training for the big match. He says, the next time you see me, everything on me is going to be hard. And Bob <laughs> Cottle. <laughs> gets, uh, Mr. Death, Professional. Yeah, Bob Cottle actually gets, uh, he laughed. I mean, legitimately <laughs> thought that yeah, was Of hilarious. course he did. What else, you know? With all the comments he makes. That's oh, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, anyway. You just missed Robert Fuller. Main, main event, Horner. <laughs> yeah. Against Dirty White Boy for the title. Horner gets the upper hand early. Dirty White Boy bells outside. And an impromptu move blows Rod Roderick's side. You go, watch <laughs> it. That's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> watch it. Watch the match on TV, and you'll see. He gets, I mean, he's on his hands and knees in Ron Wright's lap. It's, it's only that with everything else that goes on in Smoky Mountain. I mean, we always have to take a blow break. Oh. Um, Connell previews the Christmas Chaos match between Garvin and Orndorff, and he's, yeah, Justin, this is your line. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, he, he says, I don't know whether whether or not uh, they'll tag each other or just concentrate on banging each other to death. <laughs> Are you kidding me with this guy? <laughs> they don't I know mean, if they're going to tag each other or if they're just going to bang <laughs> each other. To concentrate. Yeah, I mean, 
<sighs> it, it, I, I don't know if it, uh, <laughs> it's know, not legal. I, know, I know it's only, it's been like a year now. I guess we're into this. <laughs> is this stuff really innocent, or is he just? Yes, I'm uh, starting. <clears throat> I think some of it is, and then some of it they slip in. <laughs> Slipping yeah, in, obviously. He just goes and says it, and he doesn't give a damn. Oh, God. But, yeah, that was great. And I missed that line. I had to go back and watch it. I don't know whether they'll tag each other out or just concentrate on banging each other to death. <laughs> what kind of match? This is a Vince Russo special, I mean, fans. Hey, what you... Hey, you guys, you got you to gotta figure. You did hear about the dude that got off on killing his girlfriend, right? I mean, you know. Um, he he used what is, I shall now refer to as uh, the Robert Fuller Snuka? defense. No, oh. no, 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 no. This was some like normal guy. He got off on killing his girlfriend because of the Robert Fuller defense. I'll leave it at that. You wow. look it up. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, yes, you. she choked. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. My, uh, back to the main event. Um, he clocks. Okay, so... The dirty white boy clocks Horner with a chain and throws it back to the Threw him off there, Andy, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not going there. Big leg drop for dirty white boy. Horner kicks out. Dirty white boy bites Horner's face. I mean, I've seen people bite, but he bit his face. It looked like a walking dead moment. Dirty white boy just is just kicking Tim Horner's ass. He misses a flying headbutt. Horner gets the upper hand. He throws dirty white boy from pillar to post. There's a good sequence where Horner whips the dirty white boy into the post. He tries to hip toss him, but the dirty white boy throws a clothesline. Horner ducks. Then Horner atomic drops dirty white boy and posts him. Dirty white boy rebounds off the post, cracks the back of his head to Horner's face. Both goes, both of them go down Horner with the pin, but he put dirty Ron Wright then puts dirty white boy's foot on the rope. As the ref counts three, Curtis sees the foot on the rope Horner jumps around with the belt, and now Curtis is trying to show Horner that he was incorrect. Horner, with the shortest celebration in history, he jumps for like three seconds, and then he just walks to the back. Oh, I, I did like the finish sequence, though. I did like the the reversal and the duck under the clothesline, and then the post. And uh, Andy, what did you think about the finishing sequence? The sequence was great, but like you say, it was the aftermatch. Horner actually had a decent match for once, and the after effects just kind of took it out. You know, if he'd have went out with the fans and celebrated, and you know, got with his little lightning bolt people, all two or three of them, and you know, had a big celebration, that'd have been one thing. But like you say, he (laughs) he jumps up and down a couple of times, slides out of the ring, and hauls ass for the back. It didn't make a lick of sense for a. For a baby face, anyway. No. Justin, uh, what do you think? I just think Curtis lost, is uh, starting to lose his mind. I guess I'll just uh, leave it at that. Oh. That's kind of odd. Oh, Curtis, mm. that, no, Curtis. <laughs> no. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. I like Mark Curtis. I know. I do, too. He's one of my favorite referees. He's actually really entertaining. But Yeah. It, I mean, I, I just hate it. But it, but it, 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 it was... Um, I mean, it was a classic, you know, face versus a, he- a heel, deal, you know, thing like that, and oh. see where it goes down the road. But you know, look, listening to uh, shoot interviews, I guess you hear about Cornette. <laughs> I almost wonder if kind of forced him to do this at this time, 
just at least for a little bit. Well, you know, then, he was a partner, <laughs> and when you're a partner no, in I, a promotion, I, exactly. you might exactly. have uh, a little more um, say so in what's going on. Exactly. I mean, and I think that's I think that's kind of what happened here, and, and I think somebody else is going to get the title belt. Okay. Yeah. Down the road. Okay, so it we, won't be very long. <laughs> desk with Bob Armstrong and Jeff Daniels, and Daniel is is holding a towel over his head. <laughs> just, yeah, why didn't why, why didn't Armstrong just use that shitty ass shirt that he's had on for a year and a half? Uh, I, no, I have an even more important said, question. I got a more important question. Okay, he gets his head busted open, and they keep him back there with a towel for the entire length of the championship match, and then drag his carcass out to the camera (laughs) to show the bloody gash. Are are there stitches anywhere in this dude's future, or what? Uh, Surprised he didn't bleed out. (laughs) It's just they were in uh, no man's land. That that was the first aid kit they had was the towel. Wouldn't go get any better in uh, Clarefield, Tennessee. Well, they could have at least carterized it or something. Somebody there had a propane tank, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Bob Armstrong says that he's going to take care of Sullivan. Um, Armstrong is asking Tim to give the belt back due to the foot on the rope finish. And that's where we leave episode 46. So we'll take our quick commercial timeout. We'll be back on the other side with episode 47 and 48. You're listening to Fire in the Mountain, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Podcast. Consideration paid for by the following. Hey, pro wrestling announcer Kevin Kelly here. I want to make sure you are all subscribed to all the great feeds here at Place to Be Nation. It's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, which, of course, includes the full archives of The Kevin Kelly Show, the Place to Be Nation pod feed, and the Pro Wrestling Only feed. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And be sure to give Justin your true thoughts. I mean, don't hold back. After all, he is kind of a jerk. Just listen to Scott. Place to be Nations, JT Rosero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceVation.com, and we now offer them to you on two great feeds. On the Place to be Nation wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to be podcast with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with clotheslines and headlines, main event, Lucha Afterground, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows, and we leave wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse. The Our Vantage Point podcast, which features a potpourri-style look at wrestling history. And Survey Says, a fun look back at the good, bad, and ugly of WCW. And on our very popular Place Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler podcast, Our Spectacular, Rank and File, PTBN Dadcast, NBA Team, and Lucha Undead, as well as a veritable podcast heaven for comics fans with hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversations, Geek and Sassy, and the Imaginary Stories. You can find all these current shows plus archives of our past podcasts, including The Kevin Kelly Show, as well by subscribing to both feeds on iTunes. And while there, be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All these shows plus others available at PlaceVation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlaceVation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping. And download our free PTB Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks via the links on our site. 
We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, thehistoryofwrestling.com, and Scott Key's blog of doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. And yes, listen to all the great shows on the Place to Be Nation. We are back, Fire in the Mountain podcast. Now, two more episodes tonight, episode 47 and 48. And we start with episode 47, Dutch Mantel wearing a Mirage Casino jacket. And we Man, get... Great look. Yeah, that, that looks good Holds on Dutch. it off pretty decent, actually. Considering he has a gigantic beard and mustache. <laughs> yes. We, we have the uh, announcement of the Beat the Champ TV title coming soon. Which is uh, a good thing for Smoky Mountain. Yeah, it it almost seemed you know like the uh, cruiserweight or whatever you want to call it, whatever they did like later in time. I mean, it was it was a good idea. Yeah, it, it's a good so, idea because something different. It gives them three titles, you know, that way. And, sure. And the format they've got for the beat the champ is really cool. That we'll see later. Yeah. Yeah, and they, and they have a big enough roster, I guess, at this point to pull something off like that. Yeah. So, match number one on 47 is Reno Riggins against Paul Orndorff. And y- you know what? Thank God they're not fooling with the freaking robe anymore. Now Orndorff is just back to kicking people's ass because the robe thing was old. Reno's tassels are appropriate. Um... Are you saying he likes to get stuck? Probably. Dutch Mantel <laughs> goes off on the ring announcer because he announced Reno from Nashville, but he says he's actually from Reno, Nevada. And Dutch actually name drops WCW. He says that Riggins has been on TV down there, which is like it's weird that they're dropping WCW name. Yeah, like back in especially in those days, I think it was ninety two, whatever it was. Especially back in those days, they were, uh, that was almost like, uh, blasphemous. I, I don't know if you want to go that far, but you know, it's just you're strange. Not do, you're yeah. not supposed to do that kind of stuff that they're because you know, it's, it's breaking kayfabe, whatever. Well, I mean, in a way we'll see that Cornette, sort of, you know, I mean, but you know, maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And we'll see that Cornette is about to start working with WCW a little bit. So that might've been part of it that they didn't care because they knew they was going to do some, some things with WCW down the road. Sure. Okay. And Dutch calls Horner out as a thief on stealing the title. He's upset. <clears throat> Riggins almost gets a flash roll-up pin on Orndorff. Orndorff bumps really nice. He flips and flops out of the ring. The fans are into Riggins. Uh, this was really a good match for, like, basically a squash kind of match. Uh, Riggins done a good job here. He comes off the top rope with a crossbody. Orndorff rolls through it and picks up the win. I thought that was a good match. Andy, what did you think about the match? I, I was surprised. I haven't seen this from Regan's, you know, since we've been covering this. It, this match, I don't know if it was just because he's working with Orndorff and he stepped up his game or what, but, you know, they still got Orndorff to win, but he looked strong throughout the whole match against a former world champion. I, I was impressed. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Justin, what do you think about the match? I mean, this is what usually on TV matches, they're throwaway. I like this match. 
Yeah, I mean, like Andy said, I mean, Riggins, he's turned into a pretty solid jobber, and I wonder what's going to happen going forward with him. You know, maybe he might get a little bit of a, of a push. I think he kind of deserves it. You know, he yeah. has a yeah. He's he's not not worker. a bad player. I mean, he's got he's got a good look, work, good worker. You know, see what happens. Uh, so we're now we're at the desk with Dirty White Boy, Paul Orndorff, and Ron Wright. Dirty White Boy wants his belt back. Bob Armstrong is out, and he says, and Dirty White Boy says he wants his belt back right now. Armstrong says he don't know where the belt's at. The Smoky Mountain title will be on the line at Christmas Chaos in the tag team match. The Hills go nuts. They say it's not fair. So then Armstrong says, okay, so the belt will only be on the line for the first 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> Orndorff, uh, he really goes nuts. He, I mean, he lost his mind. <laughs> he blew He blew a gasket. Um, I love angry Paul Orndorff about more than anything else in Smoky Mountain because he is just you know crazy. I mean I, I, I could I was laughing sorry but you think he really uh, spelled thief right did he did what did he really spell thief right thief when he said thief he spelled out thief oh I don't know I didn't pay <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was horribly wrong uh, <laughs> it, it, that's what I thought Oh, I, 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 I missed that. T e t e h e i f e or something like that. I can't I can't remember exactly how he spelled it, but it. Was, I, I was not. I just was having I, fun watching him go nuts. Yeah, it, he he gets he gets so into his character. I mean, yeah, I don't uh, think he's that stupid. He, no, I, mean, I, no. I mean, obviously, he seems like a when he's calm, he's you know. And, yeah, he, person, but he, you know, but he he gets very very deep into the character. Yeah, and it's awesome. It's perfect. Good uh, for him. So we go to the Smoky Mountain personality profile, Tracy Smothers. Oh, good lord! Oh, uh, it's uh, next. Okay. No, 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 next. <laughs> I, I I got to explain this to the fans. If you wanna, if you haven't seen this and you wanna know about what it looks like. Watch any FarmersOnly.com commercial, and you got it. I was waiting to hear the hear the line. You don't have to be any, just any time throughout this whole profile thing. Except it's replaced with cousins only. Um, <laughs> in these you don't have to be lonely at FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, in all in, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it, this almost. Sound, it looked like some kind of vignette. I, I almost thought he, you know, he passed away. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's it a, seemed like. It's a reflection. Oh my god, it's true. I, yeah. I thought he checked out. You know, <laughs> like, but I guess uh, that's what Cornet was. You know, just <laughs> looking for a thrill, right? Oh god. Ah, well. Desk with a stud stable. Good luck, idiot. <laughs> Robert uh, Robert says that he's going to stay calm. He calls Bob Littlefeller again. The studs are saying there's a political maneuvering going on, and Dutch is investigating the matter. So then we go to a recap of Sullivan and Lee, and now Brian Lee, for some reason, is wearing a Cardinals jersey. <laughs> Justin loves him now. Yeah, what, what a, you know, if I couldn't hate this guy even worse, 
He bust out the Cardinals jersey. And, and, and now I, I hate him worse now. <laughs> but I, I will give him this. At least he changes his freaking clothes. Yeah. I'm like, well, he got a point. <laughs> Bob Armstrong or it, whoever else you want to say. Hell, Jim Cordette's getting pretty bad now. Uh, with the, his bad, bad green pants and all that crap. So now. But anyway, yeah, it went an ass. He says that course. he's not going to be ready according to the doctors. But he talks about guts. He's coming. Uh, no hot and weight check this week, at least. The Night Stalker against Little Bear. <laughs> Match two. <laughs> uh, is that not one of those TV yeah, shows? Yeah. Night Stalker, just, he just beats the crap out of him. He hits a really nasty-looking back suplex. It looks like he should have killed him. Yeah, I, yeah Dutch. <laughs> Dutch he was like, whoa. Yeah. He's dead. He broke his neck. <laughs> uh, the Night Stalker is on the top rope. He hits a big flying clothesline. And <laughs> he, he Dutch in his commentary. Yeah. It would, <laughs> he says... Uh, Little Bear might be looking for a, a free quarter to call nine one one after the match. I guess. So. Not Stalker throws him out of they the just ring. Crack me yeah, Not Stalker throws him out of the ring. Sullivan takes him to the back and just just he just pummels him with various shit on the way to the back. Hits him with a ladder. Sullivan chases the referee. Now we get a DQ. We're back in the ring. Not Stalker hits a power bomb just to finish him off. Um, it's just a train wreck. I mean, it, it is, but it's, it's great too. So, so we go to, um, the desk now with the night stalker and Sullivan and the night stalker says that the master has taught him well and he loves it. Sullivan's talking about Lee and the stomper. He's, he lays on the ground talking about a psychiatrist. He's God, he's crazy. Um, it, D- it, it it doesn't it almost seem like uh, the Night Stalker is a little bit more uh, better on a mic back when he was in SMW than he was when WWF I guess at the time. Yeah, that's Adam Bomb and all that stuff, or maybe that was just a no. I, I think I don't think he, he was, was a, a, he was good on the mic. I thought. Yeah, I don't think he was bad. I mean, he's definitely passable. He sounded intelligent enough. He had cut a decent yeah. promo. Yeah, that's what I mean. I said he's a lot better before he went to the WWF. I don't uh, know. I'm not sure. Um, so Sullivan's laying on the ground talking about a psychiatrist, and then we get one of the most random moments <laughs> ever. Uh, so, um, Sawyer Brown uh, is giving Brian Lee words of encouragement. I don't know why this is the most random thing since we had Pat debut or the appearance of the stormtrooper. Wait a minute, Pat. That makes sense now. That's the connection. It's the three degrees of bacon. <laughs> See, Pat, we're not for sure she's a guy or a girl. <laughs> Sawyer Brown said some girls do. Brian Lee kind of looks like an overgrown girl. It makes sense. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. uh, did the producer have a, st- a stroke when they put this in here? I mean, it, was, uh, it made no sense. I mean, it was Sawyer Brown was Andy, a name. Andy, Andy from earlier in the show, Did were you producing this? or 
I, I'm starting to wonder because that's why I, may, I come up with the idea. It's starting to make sense to me now. Maybe the left hemisphere ain't working no more. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, I know. This made zero sense well, whatsoever. It, it was just it was it was the way to get a celebrity in there, and it's like, hey, talk about Brian Lee. And he's like, who? He's like the guy that checks his weight and height every week. Who? <laughs> we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. No, no, no in the middle no, no, of a no. field for no damn reason. We'll give you fifty. Supposedly bu- hurt. We'll give you fifty bucks, idiot. And Ricky Morton's leftover ring rat. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell our buddy Brian. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so yes, the most random thing that I've ever seen. Down and dirty with Dutch. Tim Horner. Dutch asks Horner where the belt is. Tim Horner says he doesn't know. I mean, he's acting like a dick. Um, Tim says that he and Garvin have a big tag match coming up, and he says that he's the champion. Dutch says, so you do not know where the belt is. Tim Horner says, no, I do not know where the belt is. And then Tim says that Ronnie Garvin is in the woods hunting. Uh, Dirty White Boy is in the ring. Orndorff is in the ring. Orndorff says he wants his robe. <laughs> after after all this, we're back. We're back to the robe. Now we thought we were done with that shit. Uh, Dutch says I thought. <laughs> the robe is here to stay, not here to oh, play. Shut up. Dutch says that Garvin. All right, I'm out of here. Dutch says that Garvin <laughs> is hanging up. <laughs> Garvin's not there. They rush Horner. But he gets away. Dutch says, I'm not in on this. I'm not in on this. Dad gummit. <laughs> he's, he's trying to get out of that. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm not in on this. I'm not in on this. Dad gummit. <laughs> Dutch is such a coward, which is great. Oh. Uh, by, so now we're at the, the desk with the heavenly bodies. Pritchard blasts Ico Pro, which is hilarious. Uh, Cornette says that he's stocking up on carbs like white chocolate Oreos. And he tries to rip a tiny phone book. This was great. So then he just opens it up and rips a, rips a page out. <laughs> he can't rip the phone book. So he, so he just rips one page out of it. So God, he's mumbling. He said, God, he's mumbling and be all pissed off. I, I, I think he was legitimately pissed off about that. Like, it, he couldn't pull that off at all. Oh, no. I don't know. I mean, you know, like, at least, I don't know. Uh, no, I'll just rip rip a few pages out at least. <laughs> that was look like a well, clown. I think he stole that clip off of uh, uh, Bobby Heenan. Oh, sh- no, no, no. It was uh, uh, a hee haw. Yeah. He They had a guy on there going to pull a magic trick. He couldn't rip the whole phone book, so he ripped it out a page at a time and it went through the whole episode. I, I think actually that's a, a an homage to Bobby Heenan, which hee haw may have done it before Bobby Heenan. But Bobby Heenan done the same trick, I'm pretty sure, in the 70s. Anyway, it's great. <laughs> it works. It's hilarious. So we go into match number three, which is Paul Lee in the Dark Secret against the Rock and Roll Express. They get lost on the way to the ring. <laughs> well, they were not there to play yet. Uh, they, they were there to stay because they couldn't figure <laughs> out how to get out to the ringside area. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a leg drop off the top rope that Justin has called out. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, in in Paul Lee, he freaking sells that damn thing by eight feet at least. I mean, he. <laughs> they missed it by he the length of Robert Gibson's torso body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it, it was funny as hell. I mean, I was, I don't know, I was the, dying laughing. It was a quick match, thankfully. We're at the desk with Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton, but, yeah, but, yeah, bad match. Yeah, Ricky Morton says Cornette's acting like a fool. Cornette's in the ring. He calls the fans defects. He invites in Ricky Morton. And, of course, the bodies blindside the Rock and Roll Express. And then Cornette blasts Morton with a Coke can. <laughs> and they lay the boots to Gibson on the outside. So now we're at the desk with the bodies and Killer Kyle. Cornette says he's heard of athletes having problems with Coke in the past. Oh. <laughs> uh, perfect. That, imagine that. Oh, he says that he's so tough that he can't stand it. Lane, Stan Lane, watch Stan Lane in this, because Cornette's talking about how tough he is, and Stan Lane has just—he is about to lose it. He's he's cracking up with it, all of this, and then we have an impromptu match with the Rock and Roll and the Bodies. They they brawl and they're fighting as we go off the air. So that was episode forty-seven, which was weird. It was a weird episode because it was what? How many matches? Three. There's only three matches, yeah. so a lot of uh, a lot. But but I mean, Reno Riggins and Paul Orndorff was a really really was good the, match. The, probably the best match of the whole episode, probably. Yeah, easily. So yeah, I mean, except I, the commentary, you know, the yeah, commentary yeah, the of course part, yeah. carried it so far. And then we go to episode forty-eight, and we go to the conclusion of the impromptu match. It was a good match. I mean, nothing wrong with it. Everything breaks loose. Good ending. The studs come out to help the bodies. They throw the racket in the ring to Tom Pritchard, but he gets rolled up for the pin. And then the heavenly bodies blame the stud stable for the loss. Uh, so there's a little more dissension. The stud stable's out to try to help the bodies, but it backfired and they lost, so they blame the stud stable. Uh, TV match number one for the week, we get Danny Little Bear and Reno Riggins against the stud stable. And Cornette's at the desk, and he's upset with the studs. Bob takes Dutch's side for once, saying that the studs were just trying to help. Cornette says that the studs are local legends, and he says that they like he liked watching them in the prelim matches. That's <laughs> just burying them. Bob asks if they blame the studs, and Jim dodged the question. And then he says that the Rock and Roll Express have never beaten them. <laughs> True heels never admit defeat. Fuller with the with the arm bar, and uh, Bob says he is going to break it off and hand it to you. <laughs> how, is that right? How appropriate! I mean, come on! <laughs> how appropriate! I mean, there there goes Cottle again. <laughs> Quick win. Um, Jim Cornette bolts and he says, "Tell Dutch he said hello." <laughs> he, he's blasting the whole thing, and then he's like, "Okay, tell him I said hi." And now we're at the desk with the stud stable. And Bob says that Cornette says they didn't ask for help. Jimmy Golden says they're just trying to help, and that's the gratitude they get. Fuller says the next time they'll be doing something they don't like. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> He'll be breaking it off and handing it to them. Or up in them. Well, either way, it's going, they're not yeah, going to enjoy I mean, it. They make it very obvious now they're going to have a few. I mean, I know it's, yeah. it's, it's very obvious. It, the feud's coming. Yeah. Uh, so tr match number two, Tracy Smothers against uh, the Road Dog. The Dark Secret did get his tie. That's it's got to be the tights from Bad Street. Dutch asked what Cornette, um, what he said about him, and Bob said that he said to stick to broadcasting. And Dutch said, "Well, that really hurts my feelings." 
Yeah, the um, that was a decent TV match with Smothers and Dark Secret. Smothers hit him with a couple of good shoulder tackles, and then he gets off the top rope with the jaw jacker. I mean, it was a pretty nothing match, but it was it was okay. And 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 of course, the commentary always makes up for any thing that's oh, lacking yeah. in the match. And we go to the desk with Tracy Smothers, and he says he's climbing that ladder, and he wants in that TV title tournament. And God Almighty, he yes, he does. What does he do, Andy? He is also here to stay, not here to play. He has watched one too many Ricky Morton promos. I'm I'm hashtagging yeah. that tonight. Here to stay. Okay. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I, I you can't go nowhere, Justin. This, you you know? are hashtag here to stay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already, I already said it before. I mean. He had a pro. He he really did have a promising start as far as like being a good heel on this promotion. And my God, he he is certain this cornball shit that is almost <laughs> hard to get over. Oh. You know, he he was di- he was different in the beginning. Yeah, you know, he's the same same old shit. I don't I don't know. It it it, it does <laughs> seem like every face they get just. They just ruin them. They, 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 go, they go to hell, and they continue to down the road. I mean, Well, yeah, yeah for now. Uh, we go to the desk with Bob Armstrong, It's and it's an Easter egg hunt for the Smoky Mountain title. Tim is with his little buddy, JT, who is having some hard times. And he really, okay, so uh, let's, let's just be totally honest. He does look uncomfortable, and it looks like he is legitimately about to cry, so I'm not going to make fun of this. Right. I'll but, make fun of this. Okay. Well, you can't. He's oh, shaking. Good. He's shaking I mean, him. I thought I was evil. Okay. No, this poor child looks scared to death. He's like, "Who put me in this room with Tim Horner and a camera? This is not right. Something's wrong. Well, I want to call fair. somebody." Uh, and see, Horner is like, he's legitimately upset. So, yeah. He's shaking yeah. the kid because Horner's upset. He's shaking the kid. <laughs> you did yeah. something you don't really do with a kid that looks that sick is just shake the, you know, shake him like he's shaking him. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I no. mean, I'm not going to make fun of this. It, Horner was legitimately upset, and his nervous tick reaction was to shake the child, which, and the, the child did look legitimately. Uh, very scared shitless. That's yeah. what he was. He was scared shitless. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. It's your. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, uh, I, I was just gonna say. Uh, I'll just say this is really a human moment, right? Yeah, yeah. So Tim, this was a hostage negotiation. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm gonna kill this poor child if you don't let me keep this belt. So that's what that was. God almighty. So Tim says... I'm just trying not to get confused this time. He says a few weeks ago that he became the Smoky Mountain champion. And no, he didn't. He's teaching this kid to steal, truthfully. He says that, that they will give the belt back, but in his heart, he knows he's the champion. Then Horner asks JT who the champ is, and the kid says he is. Well, I mean... At least he's learned it's okay to lie about winning the belt before he croaks. <laughs> yeah, all due respect, kids full of shit. Oh, okay. Possession's nine ten, so Okay. So Dirty White Boy against little Nate. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not burying that any further. Oh. 
I hope the kid was okay. Dirty White Boy and Little Nate, Dutch says that he thinks Horner has hawked the belt at a pawn shop on whiskey and loose women. I would go, I would go for I would go for martinis and loose men. <laughs> <laughs> what? That, that was shameless, sir. No, I'm talking no, I'm talking about Horner. <laughs> Uh, that that's what I'm going. To. That's what I'm. Thinking. Oh, I figured. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh, so, dirty white boy extended it. He extends the off the rails. Imagine that. After we did so hours. well. <laughs> I know. Well, the way it goes, I guess. Uh, the, the dirty white boy. It's a buck snort blaster for the win. Paul Lee's a good seller. That nothing match. Desk with Dirty White Boy and Orndorff. Dirty White Boy is still pretty mad about the belt. He said if Horner had any guts, he'd come out with the belt, hand it to him, and apologize. Ron Wright is down with the gout. <laughs> Dirty White, Dirty White Boy. Is, is, is there really going to become a point where he <laughs> seriously? Uh, I don't know. Obviously. Is he going to croak no, on the air? No, 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 no. <laughs> Dirty white boy tries to he lift his like, leg. There's always something wrong with that yeah. idiot, you know? But, uh. it, it's hilarious because Dirty white boy tries to lift his leg up and he hollers out. <laughs> well, oh. see, see what makes this so hilarious, and I, I don't know if it's this way up north, but I guarantee you everybody down south has a grandma or a great auntie mm-hmm. or you know, some old person that is just like this. Oh yeah. If they don't get the attention they want, something horrible has happened to them. And you're like, no, Mamma, you do not have malaria. You haven't been out anywhere to get. You do not have Ebola, Mamma. You, it's just you can't. Yeah. Like a hy- hypochondriac yes. or whatever. Yeah. Well, whatever. it's like a hypochondriac for attention. That's uh, yeah. that's why that's why this sales. They just so want you to come around. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I get it. I get. Oh no, it's it's that. In all, in all seriousness, I, I I get that. Oh yeah. But but he pulls it off pretty good. Oh yeah, he's perfect. I mean, it is the perfect. Uh, it's like Andy said, "Ma'am, how are you doing this week?" Well, I'm doing uh, okay. Yeah. But I did. I I, I'm pretty sure I have pneumonia. <laughs> I got a hangnail or something. Well, you know. Yeah, that is the first thing they say. Well, I'm not one to complain, but, but and then you're like, oh no, I have pneumonia. I've had the trots for the past two weeks because of those bad soup beans. <laughs> I mean, it's not <laughs> funny, but I know what you mean. Yeah, my, my bursitis is acting up, yeah. and I believe it's going to rain because the tick in my knee came back. My hiatal hernia is, but like, what? <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I've got the gonorrhea in my foot. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about anymore. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway, we're at. The- it's true. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. Uh, Paul Orndorff says that Tim Horner is a coward, and he's going true. on about the robe. God Almighty, he's still he is upset over this robe. Just fire his ass by now. Jeez. <laughs> Match four, Dixie Dynamite and Kevin Sullivan. So D- Dynamite tries to outquick him. Sullivan gets him pretty quick and rams him into the post. Then he crotches him on the rail. He pounds on him. The Night Stalker chokes him on the outside. There's nothing fancy about this. They're just beating him up. 
Dixie Dynamite does hit a flash Confederate kick, though. We go to the outside. Sullivan brings out a coat hanger. Sullivan never aborts a good plan. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm all for for an abortion here with Dixie Dynamite, but I think it is a little late for that. No, uh, it's not. It's a mercy killing in what the ninety sixth trimester or something. I mean, I'm <laughs> not sure how science works, but you understand. Yeah. So he chokes Dixie Dynamite with the coat hanger, and Justin, it's payback for what? Finally, payback for br- bringing out those damn sparklers he did earlier in the promotion, <laughs> which is maybe the maybe <laughs> the worst idea. So far. God, I wish. Oh, if he would have came out with sparklers for the start of this match, that would have been awesome because Sullivan would have shoved him up his ass. <laughs> well, that's very possible. Hello, little kitties. But, Let me give you a steaming hot piece of metal. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. So, Sullivan, we go to the desk after this. And Sullivan is completely insane. He, um... Armstrong is out at the desk now. Sullivan slaps himself around just a little bit. Oh. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, I'll let Justin. Justin, he uh, he's reminding you of someone while he's smacking his Yeah, he kind of. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to get it together here. He looks a little bit like Mike, Mike J. Fox. Oh, but... Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, oh just, uh... So Ar- I'll leave it at that. Armstrong has the coat hanger and he says that he's going to find somebody to get rid of Sullivan. Armstrong is maybe, about- that, maybe, maybe that's who, who that guy was talking about on place to be a nation. Me. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, Might have been. I'm just wondering if Armstrong was going to take Sullivan to like playing parenthood or something. <laughs> like, yeah, this is where all, no, uh, Armstrong says that he's going to be out of there. Sullivan says it's going to be a cold day in hell when they get rid of him and we are out. So that wraps up 2000 or no, 19, yeah, wait, 1992. And, uh, that was episode 48, 49, whatever we're on 48. So the next episode will be episode 49 after the new year. This was a this was a marathon for episodes. Told a story. I mean, we got through Thanksgiving Thunder, and we're about to hit Christmas Chaos, which by the time we see the next episode will have already happened. So, what, Andy? Where do you what do you think about the promotion right now? What what do you think? What are you liking right here? Right now. <laughs> It's the same. It's probably the same problem I've seen. It, it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's a problem. Their heels are so much better than any baby face they've got in the whole promotion. I mean, the, the, their heel work is, uh, par, I mean, bar none, it's the greatest of this time. WWF, uh, WCW, it don't matter. Their heel work is top notch. If they only had baby faces that could match it, it would have it would have exploded, like Bob Cottle says. It exploded all over the South. You know, I've lately I've been I was I've th- I was thinking of that also. And 
we've talked about if they had Terry Taylor in there and I think he could have been, he was a good cocky heel though, but he could have pulled off the baby face without being overly corny. Um, they probably couldn't have got Steve Williams from Japan. He could have pulled off a baby face without being corny. You know, it, uh, Looking back now and just thinking about it, because I've been listening to the, his podcast lately, and it just come to me, they had, there was a perfect guy they could have brought in there. To He was a great heel, better as a heel than a baby face, but for six or eight months, he could have carried it as a baby face, and it wouldn't have been hokey at all. If they would have brought in Austin Idol, he was a Memphis, Tennessee legend. He would have got over in Knoxville and he was cool. He could have been that good transition baby face. And then they could have switched him heel in six or eight months when he finally turned to get a good run. But man, if they would have brought Austin Idol in in 1992 to fill that gap, they could have really hit a home run. Andy, I know you know Austin Idol. So what do you think about that? That would have been the perfect, well, I mean, that's kind of what they had originally with Tracy Smothers when they first brought him in. But then they it, tried to dumb it, him down too much. Yeah, they dumbed him down too much. I mean, let him have a little bit of attitude. Let him have that, you know. You know how us rednecks are. We're better than you. We don't care. I don't care if you've got 14 letters beside your name. I'm still better than you because I know how to skin a squirrel. That's, yeah. you know, that's the Southern attitude there. You know, we'll help you do whatever you want, but don't think you better than me because I'm way better than you. Yeah. And, and, you- and, and yeah, like you say, Austin Idol could have pulled that, you know, the same, you know, same mentality, I guess, off. But yeah. And he, see, but they, he, he's got that. He had that, you know, he's. From Tampa, Florida, 242 pounds, the women's pet and the men's regret. He could have, I mean, he was like the baby, he could have been the baby face version of tone. It's just a toned down Austin Idol a little bit, but he would still be an ass kicker. And he would have got over as that cool guy that didn't put up with no crap. And then they could have turned him heel. But that that would have been a really good stopgap to bring in somebody like Austin Idol in 1992 to Smoky Mountain Wrestling because he was known, he was one of the best, you know, workers in the 80s in Tennessee. I mean, all the legendary feuds he had with Jerry Lawler and uh, just, he was a known commodity. And he, you know, he wrestled for Continental and he's he had been around. So it wasn't like people around here didn't know who Austin Idol was. They bring Austin Idol in, and instantly they've got a top shelf baby face that can go toe to toe with those good talking heels. Oh yeah. And the bad part, I mean, and I know we wonder, well, why did he do this? Why did it, you know, Cornette knew that by watching the shows that his baby faces were weak. That's why most of the big shows, the main event was the rock and roll express and the bodies. Cause yeah. that was his, you know, his bread and butter baby faces right there with the rock and roll express, the singles division really, I mean, it, it was like you say, hokey, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it comes across. Justin, I know you probably are not as familiar with Austin Idol, but, um, I mean, what do you think about the, where we're going with this? Do you, do you have anybody you would think that you would have brought in that maybe could have filled that gap? Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not very, I have no idea who that is, but you know, it's 
That's how it goes. You know, I'm the... Uh, we we educate you on this it, show. It's okay. You are ed- you're becoming but, but, educated but on the show. I, I mean, I, I think what, what Andy said, I mean, I was going to say, like, it. they have nobody as far you know, we've said this throughout this whole show. I mean, this is episode, I don't know, 49 now, mm-hmm. 48, whatever it is, doesn't matter. A lot. And they, they've never had a good uh, face. You know, I, I, I tend to like heels better because they're more funny to me because maybe, maybe that's just. You need to look up Austin Otto when we get done. Sick and you'll, you'll, you'll but, see. I, but, but I will. I'll, I, yeah. I, I already wrote his name now. Yeah, you need to. But, it's, it's, uh, but, but, but you know, it's just, it's, they, they, they needed somebody else to have besides, you know, the tag team. That's it. That's all they needed. Yeah. They, if they would have had one big star, I know he tried with. Brian fucking Lee. Brian, but, yeah, Brian Lee was just, he just... It just didn't work. I mean, yeah, I know I give him shit all the time, but it, it well, just see, didn't work. That's, it's almost that's like what, he was, Go ahead. Oh, that, well, I was just going to say, that's what would have worked with Idol is the fact that, you know, at the time, to be a, a real, you know, a singles baby face, you about had to be, you know, the bleach blonde surfer type dude you know the hulk hogan mold yeah yeah and and with idol you had that and you had a guy that could work the mic because let's face it right now brian lee can he couldn't cut a promo if he had to i mean you hold a gun to his head you know another guy honestly because it would have worked for smoky mountain and he was in there later but in 1992 another guy that would have worked uh, is one of Austin Idol's old tag team partners back in Memphis, Tommy Wildfire Rich. He is Southern. I am I am familiar with him. Now, he is I Southern like Tracy about. Smothers, and he's that good old boy. But yeah, Tommy exactly. Rich could still work. He could still go in 1992. I think he would have been somebody that would have been good to come in there as a top baby face. They, they, and I'm not, I'm not saying Cornette didn't try. I mean, there's, there's potential that he asked all these guys to come in and they, they just couldn't, you know, work out a deal. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I never dispute. And he Cornette. did try. I, mean, I we, will. We, we give him shit, but you know, we, we, all, I always say he tried and I will, obviously, I mean, he put all kind of money into this promotion. Oh, oh yeah. And I will say that he did try. To have Doug Furness, um, but Japan just paid too much money, and Doug yep. Furness was never a good promo. But Doug Furness was a freak of nature, and he was a Knoxville boy. He wouldn't have come across as hokey because he was such an athlete. Uh, he would have worked. It's just the people they've got in there. They don't. They don't have anybody that Ronnie Garvin. If he wouldn't have started. <laughs> He, they could have made it work with him if they wouldn't have went the direction they did. But at this point, Ronnie Garvin kind of is uh, a cross-dressing. <laughs> it's some, a side yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to steal a freaking jacket or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, when you watch Ronnie yeah. Garvin, see the thing is like with him. But then when you watch Ronnie Garvin in the ring, you like, oh yeah, this guy is the. But Ronnie Garvin, his um, mic work wasn't there to be the the top baby face it wasn't bad but it's just it was not the top guy yeah there's just there's people they could have 
tried to get. But yeah, they had so many good heels. That was the problem. It's like, you have way to, I mean, for the God's sakes, they just lost Buddy Landale. It was like they had Buddy Landale. They had the stud stable. They had the bodies. They had Cornette, the dirty white boy, and Ron Wright. They got all these guys that can just, t- and then they bring in Kevin Sullivan. So they get all these top level heels, and they don't have a baby yeah, face. Yeah, but, but 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 to me, maybe it's just me, but Buddy Lindell seemed almost like a a baby face to me. He, he it's just because but, of okay, his, you, he but, was so damn funny. Buddy Lindell yeah. will remind Austin Idol and Buddy Lindell will give you the same vibe. There you go. Yeah. Are they it's similar? pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, they're, they're not the same guy at all. Austin Idol but the, for the cool factor, Buddy yeah. Landell could be a bad guy, but you still liked him. Austin Idol was a, even when he was a bad guy and doing mm-hmm. all these heinous things, he was still really cool. People, he was Rick. Fla- I mean, he was like, like Rick Flair. Yeah. yeah. Same yeah. difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was one of those where, yeah, he would say stuff and, piss you off but then he would come out there and back it up and you're like well okay yeah yeah you know what what can you what can you say about it you know oh well so we've got that we're i mean we're we're heading into christmas chaos now so we've got the the one thing that i'm most looking forward to but it's because i know it's coming is the inevitable blow up between the stud stable and the heavenly bodies because that just brings a new dynamic into Smoky Mountain. It's something different, and I mean, I will give them credit. I, can't, you know, back then they're just they did not do. They would do face versus face sometimes, and then when they would do the face versus face, usually it's it was setting up a hill turn. You know, so if there was a face versus face, you knew that somebody was about to turn hill. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like, do you remember like when Demolition and Powers of Pain were, t- they did all that? They done a double, back. well, they done a double turn. The the Powers of Pain at Survivor Series 87 was, the, it was, it was on the, that time. Yeah, they were on the late, eight, late 80s, early 90s. That was, it, it, it almost reminds me of that. Yeah, the, the Powers you know, of Pain were, before, but. yeah, the Powers of Pain were a face tag team. Right. And it was a there was a Survivor Series and, match, and Mr. Fuji was the demolition manager. And then during yes. the match, they turned the Powers of Pain heel and demolition face in the match. It was it was a good. That, I mean, we don't talk a lot about WWF or WCW, but that was a good effective. Turn. But but it's kind of sim- similar in a certain sense, I guess. Yeah, in, in a sense, except these are still going to be two teams that are. You just have to see how it plays out. But the, 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 the fans are basically just cheering for somebody to die when they fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Which is a good thing for me because I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. What's going to happen down the road? I know you guys do, but you know that's well, all right. Well, and it's been so long since we've seen it. We know what's going to happen, but it's like all those little nuances getting there. I don't remember. I have to watch it myself. So sure. it's always cool to see it again because it's almost like you're seeing it again for the first time. Oh yeah, I mean it's 25 years ago. Yeah, you know, well, basically. Yeah. All right, guys. So, um, anything else you want to want to go over before we wrap this up tonight, uh, Justin? Anything else? No, I mean not really. I just glad we're back. Yeah. Finally, Let's, I mean, it's, well, it's we been, we promised now that my mixer's fixed and we fixed the audio problems. Well, I mean, it's been all kind of. 
crazy and, stuff. You know, well, life yeah. happens. Yeah, and we'll try. Yeah. We will definitely try to put the next episode out in June. Yep. If we could, th- we could throw one a month out there since we do three or four episodes at a time. Sure. It, uh, it, it is a little time consuming, but you know, we do it for fun. So we're glad that yep. we, we're glad that we have some people bugging us to do the next show. Cause at least I know that I've got, I've got a few people that uh, likes to put up with our nonsense. Andy, <laughs> <laughs> Andy, uh, anything you'd like to leave us with tonight? It's just nice to feel wanted. There you go. <laughs> it's nice to feel wanted. All right. So that's going to wrap this one up. We'll be it's back. Story of life, isn't it? Hopefully before um, Thanksgiving <laughs> for the next episode. So for the keyboard warrior, Justin Edgel, and the Hot Pocket, Andy Waddell, this is Ricky Wittenberg saying another fire in the mountain in the books. my Carolina home Had dreams about the West and started to roam Six long months on a dust-covered trail They say heaven's at the end but so far it's been hell and there's fire on the mountain lightning in the air Golden wind hills and it's waiting for me Fame, all for the useless and no good, worthless claim.